Welcome to Family Communication with Bob Quillich. A show about talking, listening, and better family living. Today, on episode one, we'll lay out the basics of family meetings. Well, my name is Dr. Bob Quillich. I've been in Reno since 73. I came here fresh out of school and took a job as director of psychology over at Nevada Mental Health Institute. Since then, I've taught at UNR, TMCC, and worked at several agencies here in Reno. I've also been a teacher and a seminar leader. I've taught classes for parents on child management, how to teach your kids to do chores around the house, how to get them to make the bed, take the trash out, and do other things that sometimes people want to do with children at home. I've taught classes on family communication, how to sit down, talk with each other. And of course, a lot of communication, people think about what to say, and that's not it at all. Good communication so often winds up being how to listen and how to listen well. Some classes on conflict resolution. And one of the loves that I've developed is cooperative games for kids, non-competitive games that they can play together that bring children together in friendship instead of competition and instead of fighting. So what teachers at school hate is when kids come running in from the playground crying and one kid says to the other, I hate you, I'll never play with you again. And it takes the teacher a half hour to calm the kids down. So cooperative games are games that would lead children to have fun together and then maybe go home and tell their mom, mom, I made a new friend today. I, uh, we played a game together. And then lastly, family meetings, which is what we're gonna talk about here how to have family meetings, how to set them up, how to conduct them, um, why you'd wanna do it, and uh, how, to, how to make the best use of time together in a family meeting. So family meeting, which will be, yeah, a kind of big picture topic. Um, explain to the listener what that is. You know, uh, it seems like families that live together, right? They're probably in the same room all the time anyway, but how, what, how is a family meeting special? What, what do you really mean by that? Family meeting is a meeting with a special purpose to simply figure that you really don't need family meetings because you live together and see each other every day uh, can be a mistake because oftentimes people do live together and talk about superficial things and what's for dinner and uh, how, uh, how grandma's doing, family news and whatnot, without really talking about things they need to talk about to create a happy home. So a lot of, a lot of the direction of a family meeting is helping people who live together to work together to create a nice home 
to create a home that they enjoy coming back to and spending time there. So you, you might say a family meeting is a little bit of a, of a discipline. It's like something you do, I would recommend that you do every week. And it's a time when we get together and um, we, we don't simply pass the time, but we talk about things that matter, about living together, about planning fun, about planning birthdays, about settling problems, conflicts, and um, maybe uh, dividing up jobs to keep the house running, things like that that really go a long way towards making a, a pleasant home if you, if you live with other people, if you're living together. Um, and talk about how would you organize something like this? How would you put it together? Um, you know, what, what, what form does it take? Is it just sort of meeting around the dinner table? Is it, uh, does it, is it like a weekly thing, a monthly thing? What are some ways just to help our listeners um, kind of understand it? Um, what are some ways you might organize it and what would it look like as it's happening? Well, it, it would be scheduled is, is an important thing. In other words, I would recommend that if a family uh, meet together to talk about these sorts of things once a week. Um, sometimes we do it, people would do it after dinner, like every Monday at seven o'clock. But of course it could be any day and any time, but it should be a time when people are awake and alert and, and not sleepy. So I wouldn't do it around bedtime. Um, and it would, it would have a structure to it. So it, it would take place a certain time, maybe Monday at seven, and a certain place. I would have it at the same place, perhaps the dining room table, or maybe the living room. It would have um, a chair, and the, the chair would be the person who kind of manages the meeting and um, makes, makes it happen and encourages people to talk, to participate, kind of runs the meeting. Um, oftentimes it would be a parent to start with, but if your children are old enough, there's no reason why um, after, after they learn what you're doing, uh, one of your children would be able to chair the meeting as well. So it doesn't have to be any one person, but it should be probably um, someone. And then uh, like, like any good meeting, it would have an agenda. And an agenda would be a list of things that we're going to do, we're gonna talk about, and that sort of thing. So a nice family meeting might be something, it might start off with some uh, uh, cookies or a treat or something like that. It could even start off with a, a song or a simple game of some sort, something fun. You know, some people um, think that, again, because we live together, we don't have to schedule a family meeting. And if we need one, we can call one. <clears throat> and I recommend against that because that can really wind up scaring people sometimes. 
um, and avoid certain things that you don't talk about. So if you haven't had a meeting for two or three weeks and all of a sudden mom or dad races through the house yelling at people, family meeting, family meeting right now, that would probably scare the kids. And they would think, oh my gosh, somebody's in trouble. Um, what did I do? Am I gonna get punished? That's what can happen if you simply do it when you feel like it. Uh, of course, a child could do the same thing. So that's why having it a regular time in a regular place, it avoids that. And if you wind up not really having very much to talk about, you could have a short meeting. So you could schedule it for a half hour. And if you got through in 15 minutes, you could adjourn the meeting and just have a short one. Um, th those, kinds of, those kinds of structures help. Another thing that helps is taking notes because one of the things you'll do at a family meeting is make decisions about who feeds the dog, um, what time is bedtime, um, where we're gonna go for vacation next June. Um, all sorts of decisions will be made and human nature being what it is, we can forget some of the things that we decided at a family meeting. And so you might wind up having an argument later about who's gonna feed the dog. And Johnny says, Sally said she would. And Sally says, no, Johnny said he would. And if you have notes from that meeting, you have a way of settling that. So it's a little bit of, um, of I don't want to say bureaucracy, but a little bit of formality helps. And you don't want it to be simply 100% casual and we do everything when we feel like it, but we, we have a set structure and a set agenda.
That was Telecommunication by a Flock of Seagulls. You're listening to Family Communication with Bob Quillich on KWNK 97.7 LPFM in Reno, Nevada. It seems like one of the benefits has to do um, not necessarily with even what gets discussed, right? But by the process of having the discussion in the first place. And you mentioned mentioned earlier that, you know, uh, listening um, is actually kind of the most important skill that might be developed in something like a family meeting. So talk a little bit about how you think um, family meetings are helpful, not even in you know, achieving a specific goal, but in teaching people how to communicate, how to cooperate, et cetera. Sure. One of the things I've, uh, I've done with families with young kids is using a talking stick. I think most of us have heard about that by now. And a talking stick is something that you have and you can pass around to people during the meeting. And the rule that you have for using a talking stick is that only the person possessing the stick, having it in their hand, only them can, only that person can talk. And of course that means everybody else will listen or they should be listening. So using a talking stick or some little artificial device like that is one way to teach children about the importance of listening and talking one at a time, um, that, that sort of thing. The other thing, you know, I've, I've talked with uh, adults about quite a bit is that listening to someone well does not mean you agree with them. It simply means you're listening to them. That's all it means. And we all have a real basic need to be heard, to be listened to. Uh, We might almost take that as a sign of uh, importance, like they think what I'm saying is important. And I bring that up because so often people will cut each other off if someone brings up something that they disagree with. And so the example that I've made up and I've used with uh, couples is if say one of the, say the husband said, you know, honey, I think, I think we're just too, too scattered and involved in our jobs here. I think we need to sell what we have and move to Tahiti for a year. And I think that would be a good idea for us. And his wife might be tempted to let him get halfway with that before she said, that's a stupid idea. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. And he'll never really be able to even finish his thought about why he's saying that. And so if, if she were to respond to that with something like, well, that sounds important. Tell me more. And why do you think we're getting too scattered here? And why do you think living on an island for a year would, would help anybody? 
And if she listens to that to the point where she's able to honestly say, well, okay, I, I understand. I understand what you're saying. And you think that um, being able to live in a, a environment with so much, without so much working and so much focus on uh, money and schedules and whatnot would be good for the kids, would be good for us. She is still free then to say, well, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I, I don't think we could do that um, because the kids are too young. They're still in school. We don't have enough money saved up to make a move. Um, this and we don't want to be too far away from our parents. But maybe in five or ten years, we could talk about doing something like that. The, the advantage of that is that it gives the husband the sense of being listened to and being heard and being understood, even though she doesn't agree, even though they don't sell everything and move to Tahiti. That's very different than, than simply being told that's crazy and that's stupid and having to argue about that at the very beginning. So the whole idea of listening is you can listen to understand even someone saying something that you, you know you disagree with, you think you disagree with, but you really don't know why they're saying it. You don't know why they want to do it. To listen to the point where you, you do know why they want to do it gives them the, the opportunity to be listened to. And you can still say, I disagree. And you can still have your, your, um, your difference about what to do. The family meeting as it might look for people without children, right? Because um, I mean, when you talk about a family meeting, actually the first thing that kind of comes to mind um, is more of like a house meeting that roommates might have, right? I think that like as adults, that might be something you know, if we never had family meetings growing up, that might be something that we're a little more familiar with. And I think generally speaking, that's something, an underdeveloped, uh, 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 what should we call it, an underdeveloped technique. Because, you know, usually if you're having a house meeting with your roommates, I'm sort of reminded of something you said earlier, where like something bad has happened. And so we're calling a house meeting to deal with it. And it ends up rather than preventing things from happening, it could actually potentially inflame the situation because you might not have a good tradition of communicating with the other roommates, right? So just because you sit down and talk, if you've never done that before, it doesn't guarantee that something good is going to come out of it. Um, so say that there's no kids in the picture um, and not necessarily for roommates who don't have a family bond, because that might be a little bit of a different conversation, right? Because they could leave the house at any time, say, um, and that does create some different dynamics. But for a family that's, you know, committed to living together, but doesn't have, um, doesn't have children, talk about the importance of this type of communication. And if it, if it looks different than it does, uh, if there are kids in the house. What a great question. I'm glad you brought that up. Because yes, um, I suppose we have a, a stereotype that a family is two parents and children. And of course that's no longer true if it, if it ever was true. 
we have all varieties of families, single parent, double parent, sometimes extended families with grandparents living there. And, um, and then we have uh, couples, uh, perhaps uh, living together in a committed relationships without children, um, married or unmarried is not really the point. And then we have roommates. And um, I myself, I've been involved in, in all of those situations. I had roommates when I was uh, at Washington University in St. Louis, several roommates. And uh, although unmarried and not married before, um, I've been in committed relationships with significant others, two of us. And we actually had family meetings. We would get together, um, I think Monday nights was when we would do it and do the kind of planning I talked about a few minutes ago. So I, I think if you, if you get the drift of what I'm saying, if you get the, um, the essence of what I'm saying, you could adapt and adjust most of what I'm talking about to almost any situation where people were living together and, and cared about their home and cared about living together. It could be roommates, it could be students, it could be uh, unmarried couple, it could be couples and, and of course with children. So I don't, I don't see this as being limited at all to, um, I can't think of a situation of people living together where it would be inappropriate, for example, to talk about us and our home and our food and our, our getting along. Um, one of the things that uh, I, I used to make a little bit of a joke about this with uh, parents of teenagers, and I would say, well, you know, you're in the, um, you're in the roommate period of uh, teaching your kids now. And they would say, well, what do you mean? And I, I would say, well, you're really, part of what you're doing as being good parents is teaching them how to be good roommates. What does that mean? Well, a good roommate is somebody that you enjoy living with. It's not someone you tolerate. It's not someone you can't wait until they leave. No, it's someone who can do their fair share and can help out and be dependable and do what they say, uh, perhaps pay their bills, um, talk about problems when problems come up, do that in an appropriate way. So it doesn't make it worse, as you were saying, Elia, that it starts to make it better. Um, and so when you think about it, um, a good roommate, somebody who knows how to be a good roommate is really worth a million bucks. I mean, that's really a skill to attain and something that you would hope your children would have by the time they leave home so that they would be able to have roommates perhaps in college and be able to um, be married someday and uh, live well with somebody else and so forth. So 
kids, no kids, um, uh, heterosexual, same sex, um, those I would see as details and, and not, not essentially part, not essentially um, an important part of what I'm saying. I, th I think a family meeting could be a roommate meeting, it could be a, um, a couple meeting, and it could, it could be a way of, of really living a better life and having a better home. Great, Bob. Well, I think that's a, yeah, that's a good, good message to end on. Um, so yeah, let's wrap up for today. And then next time we'll kind of get into some more details and uh, talk about maybe some other aspects of family meetings we didn't get a chance to cover today, but thanks for the conversation. Well, thanks for the good questions, Ilya. I really enjoyed talking with you.